This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Mile High Ambulance. All right, so today we're going to talk about respiratory illnesses and kids. We're seeing a lot more of it, and so it's important to kind of be able to really understand what are the different things that cause it. So generally speaking, we're talking about kids like two months to five years old. These are kids who are coming in with cough, they can have wheezing, chest tightness, shortness of breath. And so the question is, what is it, right? So the three big things that you think about are croup, bronchiolitis, and asthma, right? And so differentiating between them is important because that also guides what, how you're gonna treat them, right? So like most common causes for croup are gonna be like parainfluenza, adenovirus, RSV, Enterovirus is actually really big right now. Bronchiolitis is going to be like RSV and rhinovirus. Asthma, usually it's environmental factors or like a viral illness of any type with an underlying predisposition. So when you see like croup, the most common kids that are going to get croup are going to be kids between like six months and three years old. And they're going to come in with what? What are you going to hear from them? Yeah, barky cough. And then what else? If they're really bad. Yeah, so that inspiratory strider picture, right, as that, you know, that inflammation in the upper airway, you get that collapse and you get that stridulous sound. With bronchiolitis, you're going to have cough, wheezing, retractions, tachypnea, and these are usually between two months and six months of age, as far as bronchiolitis, right? And it's really driven by the secretions that are coming from their nose and then they'll really fully clear those. And then asthma is going to be the same almost as bronchiolitis, and that's why it's really difficult sometimes to differentiate the two. But the treatment for all three of these is a little bit different. So with croup, in mild, moderate, and severe, right? And so generally speaking, for moderate, you know, mild to moderate, those are the folks that are going to be getting like dexamethasone, right? Decadron. How much are you going to be giving of the decadron? Do you know what the dose is? Anyone? So it's 0.6 milligrams per kilogram is the dose that you're going to be giving these kids, and it's going to be oral, right? So and although it says it's the IV, IV piece, it's actually an oral, and that's usually for like a moderate kid. Generally speaking, if they're mild, they can do it's just symptomatic treatment with hydration, right? Making sure you help them clear their secretions, um, and then humidifier in the room, Motrin, Tylenol. For those folks that are severe, what are we giving? Yeah, and what's what? Do you, what's the reason for giving racemic epia? At what point would you would you really want to consider that? Yeah, so strider at rest, right? So like, if they have a lot of strider at rest, that's telling you that this is pretty severe. And we have scales that we use. There's a thing that's called the Wesley Croup scale. So like, just take a look. It's pretty easy to go through that, and I can give you an idea of, of what. Chest X-ray, you get what's with the steeple. Yeah, so if you, if you did get a chest X-ray, it'd be a steeple sign. Generally speaking, you, don't, you know, chest X-ray is usually not necessary, right? Radiation in kids. We're trying to avoid that if we don't really need to. But what is the? How is racemic epi? Dose. This is really important. It's mil per kg, right? So it's 0 0.05 mils per kg. And so it's really important that you remember that and you put that in with your three mils of solution and, and nebulize that. And these kids, once you give them racemic epi, you're going to watch them as well, right? They require multiple doses, right? Then you're probably going to admit them. And then the other thing to think about with these kids also is if you're giving them multiple doses and they don't, don't seem to be significantly improving in between, high flow, humidified, cool, oxygen is it can be really helpful right because the idea is you're stenting open those airways and helping them um, with that laminar flow heliox is another thing that we can use with these right because it's all about laminar flow of air through their through their, through their trachea that doesn't work then you know sometimes if they're really working you end up intubating these folks 
bronchiolitis. So what do you guys do for bronchiolitis? What can a nurse, what can a, a nurse do as far as East Coast? Yeah, good deep, you know, good deep suction, right? So you can get yourself can get that tube down on a really small kid, right? Because kids are not uh, obligate nasal breathers, right? So really getting that deep suction can help with this bronchiolitis. Giving them, you know, oxygen as supportive treatment uh, is important. These kids, are, a lot of times, look when they come in that, and when they look bad, it's actually because they're super dehydrated. And so IV fluids is actually can be a mainstay for these kids that look that are dry. Um, and you'll see like you give them IV fluids and all of a sudden they're a new child, right? With some Tylenol and Motrin. And then the the last real piece on this is like a hypertonic saline. Are NEBs useful in these kids? Well, it's it's not, you know, like a, where asthma is that, you know, that inflammatory and reactive piece, you're not really going to get a, a response with nebulizers. And so, you know, the data on it actually does not support the use of nebulizers. So, you know, gen generally speaking, they're, they're really not going to help other than agitate the kid by putting a mask on them and, um, and really pissing them off, right? And then that makes the, the rebreathing worse. So then as far as asthma goes right this is the mainstay it's no different really than adults you know your beta agonists your steroids your protropium so it's going to be duoneb steroids and then you know um, support mags mag is also something that we use and the idea is that it relaxes smooth muscle so um, there's um, decent data for that and asthma not amazing data but there's decent data for that so the biggest takeaway from this is really when you get these kids that are coughing and wheezing is first like differentiating okay well am I dealing with croup you know am I dealing with bronchiolitis am I dealing with asthma and then um, tailoring what the things that you're going to do and knowing that these are the things that you're going to end up needing to do and that can be helpful and actually being proactive with it versus saying you know waiting for someone to tell you that you need to do it um, is important. And the racemic IP piece is, is also really important and remembering that you can really screw up the dosing and that's why you have to really remember your mil per kg um, and really making sure that you're on top of that. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Health One Continental Division and Swedish Medical Center for their financial contributions to the EMM. Donations from them and listeners like you make it possible for us to fulfill our mission of producing and spreading free medical education to the masses. If you enjoy our show, please consider making a one-time or reoccurring donation to help cover our operational costs and keep the EMM awesome. Click on the link in our show notes to make a donation. Thank you for listening.